Welcome back to How I Deal, where we examine a single past closed deal, how it played out that way, and provide some hopefully realistic sales tips that you can use in your deals today. My name is Taylor Dollum, full cycle account executive, now full-time content guy, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Junior Latte, the sales tactician magician here at Pickle. June, what's up, man? Episode 40, the big four zero. What you said was way too complicated. <laughs> I was like, you know, the tongue twister of itself. But by way of tactics and strategy, I did just want to make a quick note, right? There's so much sales content, so many like tactics and things to try. But before you just go and deploy something you hear, like just measure it in your mind. I sell to salespeople. So maybe something I say won't be relevant to someone who sells into ops, right? Or into legal. So just keep like personas and perspective in mind. If you hear a tactic, you think it's cool, you want to deploy, like measure it in your head first, see if it makes sense for the people you sell. And then, you know, simple things, one one step at a time, but podcast time. Know your role, certainly, and what to implement. But even if you're a seller, take Junior's advice with a grain of salt, always. Always, <laughs> hey, always. A quick explainer for those maybe tuning in for the first time or maybe haven't listened for a while, welcome back. Each conversation, like we said at the top, we chat through an entire past deal, a single deal. What does that mean? Essentially, we want to dive deep from the first time they encountered this prospect through research or any certain acquisition median, all the way to getting that final signature and kicking off implementation. Our guest today is Christian Erba, joining us all the way from Denmark. He's been in the biz dev game for a few years now, making his mark in the cold calling arena. He's now an AE for contract book, and he's already making waves at an early stage in this new role. Christian, hit us with an interesting fact about yourself. Tell us about your role. And then of course, the problems that contract book solves. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Same fact about myself out of high school, I took a gap year. And I went to one of the poorest slums in Kenya at the KTC center to help for with the less fortunate. That was life-changing. Yeah. Like you mentioned yourself, I'm, a, I'm an A here at the contract book. I joined as, as a BDR and essentially our contract book stands to simplify contract management and making it, making you access all the data in your contracts easy. Incredible gap year in terms of spending that time, not just prowling around your common areas and where you want to be, but going and volunteering time. I think that's awesome, Christian. And obviously, Contract Book, incredible company. Great to always connect with the pros that are selling over there, including yourself. But I guess, Christian, real quick, what deal are you walking us through today? Big number one. So this is your big 40. And this for me is big one. It's my first ever deal that I closed in contract book and it holds a very special place in my heart. Likely a deal that you'll probably remember for everyone. Like, I think everyone remembers their first sales deal. Who did you sell to? What was the company size? Who were the people that were involved here? Yeah. So definitely I have all the screenshots of the celebration in Slack and the email that set everything in motion, the signature. Yeah. So it's an 100 person company. The main stakeholders were uh, VP of legal, EFO, general counsel, and also head of IT was there briefly. And awesome. um, 
Yeah, that was the question, right? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Let's dive in to the actual deal. I'm always curious how people become aware about companies because sometimes they're just sitting in the CRM. Sometimes it's like someone you know that you just need to freaking nudge and be like, hey, why haven't we talked, right? How did you become aware about this company? And then of course, you've talked a little bit to us about your research and what you do to like keep it simple. Talk about those two things for us. Yeah, so I'm really big into uh, LinkedIn Navigator. It's just a it's a gold mine for companies. I'm really big into filtering out based on some key indicators that I like to take take a look at, and I know that problems will arise with their contracts if that happens. So this one was very simple. I was just looking at companies in the IT space that grew more than thirty percent in the last six months. And uh, yeah, I'm a pretty big believer of keeping it simple. At the same time, this also, they just had a series C. So, I mean, uh, the budget was there and I'm a big believer in keeping it simple because I could go super complicated and look at many different indicators on top of the growth, but I'm, for me, then the law of diminishing returns applies where the effort I'm putting into it does not really match the results I'm getting, right? I know that if a company grows 30% in six months, and this is just from experience as a BDR, that they will hate their contract process. And so that this was one of the one of the companies that came. I made a uh, outbound uh, sequence and uh, yeah, started cold calling. Can we, I just want to break this down super quick for all the listeners. So the problem that contract book solves is contract management and your understanding from your time as a BDR or as an SDR is companies that grow by 30%, especially in a short time, struggle with contract management. It's not the fact that, you know, the company is growing because that is a trigger that a lot of people use. Like, Hey, looks like the sales team is growing, yada, yada, yada. You're like, you've experienced growth. That growth means this process I know is broken because I've had this conversation many times. I think that's really cool. And then using the Series C is, I mean, that's kind of like the band, right? Like they have the budget. It's a really unique way of using funding as compared to, I saw you got funding, so I'm reaching out. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think that it sticks a lot more Try exactly selling to a broken process and a pain rather than just the features that we're able to help with and ROI that we are inventing and then prospects start to believe us, right? This is an actual broken process. And yeah, it's really good when prospecting and reaching out. Christian, I know this is outside the scope of the deal itself, but I'm curious, knowing contract book and especially Pickle as a user of it, like typically you all work with sales teams, right? You reach out to heads of sales, you prospect that way or research that way. But this feels like a totally different ICP, right? A totally different side of the house. You're talking legal, IT, more of the operations side, maybe, and juniors jump in here as well. But curious, how does that change your research process? And we'll get into the prospecting side of it. But when it comes to jumping ICPs, where does your mind go? How do you change tracks? And then what are some effective tips for AEs listening today that have to do the same thing? Yeah. So yeah, definitely we did a 180 in terms of ICP and problem that we fix. We don't, you never want to position yourself as a 
nice to have. You want to position yourself as a must-have. And we realized that when we were reaching out to uh, sales leaders, we were a nice to have, right? And then it becomes a feature contest against solutions that do precisely that. Contract book is a more holistic tool. So we had to take a step back and be like, what are the big, what are, what makes us, what makes us irreplaceable? Why have customers bought us in the past and why are they using us now? And why couldn't they ever switch, right? That's a very important one. So we did a bit of a deep dive there and we realized that actually the biggest benefits are coming from head of operations and pretty big users are the legal team. And of course, the sales team will use it because we all got to earn a commission, but it became a must-have rather than a nice-to-have. And yeah, so it, it happened recently. So we're still testing it out, but we're seeing some great, great results. Excellent. Yeah, I'm just always fascinated with the breakdown and especially with ICP. I mean, as a seller and of course, as a marketing guy, like that's and the buck stops there. If you can't figure out who buys and why, then you're, like you said, you're either a nice to have at best or dead in the water at worst. Uh, all right. So that next step, and maybe this also dictates how you approach the prospecting side of things, but how did you go about getting your foot in the door with this ICP? So I'm a huge fan of cold calling. I'm going to be totally honest and actually brutally honest. My cold emails are absolutely trash. <laughs> I send them. I almost reached a point where I'm sending them just to send them, but I really doubt. I'm actually curious. I haven't really checked. Maybe I booked one meeting, maybe two out of cold emails and everything else is cold calling. But yeah. So I called the CFO and it was a pretty interesting cold call. So when I cold call, I do one of two things. One is I have this spreadsheet of C-level, C-suite priorities. And I essentially mention it to them on the call, such as, for example, head of ops right now are pretty, their number one priority is that the data in their contracts matches the data in their systems across their departments, right? To what extent is this relevant, right? And I know it is relevant because it's a C-suite priority that I actually don't know where I found the, the sheet to, but it's, it's pretty great. Or I do a quick search on LinkedIn, see some key indicators. And so here a cold call and I'm like classic intro, pretty simple. Hey, X, this is Christian with contract book. Full disclosure, this is a sales call. Was hoping you had a second, right? And he hits me with the, I don't have time, not interested. I was like, yep, absolutely. Is there a better time to call? And then usually when you do that, at least 90% of the time, they're like, ah, okay, what is it, right? And they can't wait to get you off the phone. And then I was like, well, I just noticed on LinkedIn that you're creating this ongoing kind of subscription model in which you're sending out a lot of documents. Uh, I was curious to know if you have a system in place to automate that. And it's like, oh, you know what? That is actually interesting. Call me back next week. And that's where I pulled the uh, junior special that I saw on LinkedIn a while back. <laughs> and I was like, hey, man, listen, I know how these things go. I'll call you back next week. You won't pick up. We'll play phone tag for a month. And eventually you'll block me. Do you mind if usually what I like to do is we put in 30 minutes in the calendar. If it's not a fit in the first five, we break up. No hard feelings, you know. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And that was, yeah, and that how I booked the meeting. And I was pretty much jumping up and down the office after that one. 
Well, thanks for calling it the junior special. I love that. It really is. It's like my go-to more than half the time. Hey, we'll spend the first five minutes. If it's relevant, we'll talk. If not, cool. We met each other and we'll part ways. But you also cold called and you had something super relevant and actually about them. Right. Like, sure, maybe your product is relevant because they send contracts, right? Like everyone's sending contracts, but you literally pinpointed something that they are doing, not just something everyone is doing. And if you can find that piece of research, it's really hard, really hard to ignore. And I'll challenge you, Christian, if you take that same piece of information and throw that in a cold email, maybe your replies will turn up some heat. I don't know, but... (laughs) I'm going to try that out. Yes. That's so cool. Okay. You book a meeting. Tell us about discovery. I Earlier, you mentioned you've pivoted. So it's like you're tapping new ICPs. These are new people that you're getting to know. Who did you work with? How many meetings? Give us the specs of discovery. Yeah. So it was the first call was more of a, a disco demo. Essentially, we realized that uh, they're sending out these a lot of agreements. It's very very manual and that they're just wasting a bunch of time in doing this and that we would be able to set up a little questionnaire, the client answer a few questions, boom, contract is sent, right? But then as we're talking about it, we're we're doing a little deep dive in what else contract book can do. Because I'm always looking for them to bite. I'm like, oh, I'm just curious. So this is how do you manage supplier agreements, right? And then he started to understand that there's a whole other level, like a whole other depth to contract book. And then he was like, you know what? My VP of legal might actually love this, which I was like, how many times does that happen? Right. And then, so we, I, I showed him exactly how we would do it. The questionnaire, how simple it is, takes 30 seconds. He's like, wow. Okay. That's a 70% time reduction to what it's taking us right now. Right. And so then, yeah, so then we, I connect with the VP of legal and with the general counsel and we're doing the whole discovery. Of course, what is important to him is way different to what is important to them. They're more into the aspect of the collaboration, negotiation, creation, right? How do we facilitate all of this? And then there was a scope there. So then we booked them in for, I booked them in for the official demo. In total, we had to, are we talking total meetings throughout the whole deal cycle or just the discovery? Just discovery here. Two. Yeah. Two discovery meetings. So really unique that your CFO was the one to like get someone else involved. Sometimes as a seller, you have to know to pry that out, right? Like, Hey, who else do you think would be interested in this kind of conversation? Right. That type of talk track. Was there anything, the value to the CFO was very present. You know, you like show him the LinkedIn thing and he's like, yes, this will save tons of time. Was there anything to the VP of legal or the general counsel that was like, we have these problems it looks like you can solve. What was the balance between like CFO problem driver versus rest of team problem driver? Yeah, definitely. I know for a fact that this is the only deal I've had now where one of the stakeholders is bringing in actively (laughs) other stakeholders. It is literally, I was like, I don't really, I'm not going to make, I was there almost saying like, okay, this is a miracle, right? Because I know how hard it is being like, hey, I mean, who would feel left out if we had a demo without them, right? And I feel so 
bad and I just feel so off, but it's hard, right? So yeah, when he actually decided to bring in the VP of legal, it was a, a, yeah, a godsend and I was really doubling down on it. And then we realized that they had way more pain than him. So with him, it was like, it became a nice to have again. And then with them, it almost became a need to have because they're 80% of their time was reviewing sales contracts for the sales team. And they're like, they're messing everything up. Nothing matches. The CRM doesn't match what the contract says. They were losing their minds. And then once we scoped that even further, then I was like, oh, wow, okay. Now it's not only the CFO. Now we also have multiple stakeholders with multiple problems. And yeah, that's when the, I just felt like it's the, this deal was alive. Right. I feel jumping back to ICP here, but we've had so many of these conversations with a lot of sellers and probably 99% of them, when we get to barriers, they're like, well, the biggest barrier getting past legal. You're doing it on the front end, right? And maybe this can bleed into the demo conversation or what that looked like more specifically, but working with legal during the buying process, not just like post sale. Now it's got to be redlined and red taped has to be cut through and all that. But curious, do you handle a lot of that discussions, workflows, like you're talking about ahead of time? And does that make the end of the deal a lot smoother? Or is there still a process? And I'm curious what a demo looks like for the legal side of the house as opposed to anything else. Yeah. So that's the thing. You do have to find yourself a legal team that is pretty forward thinking, right? If you have a legal team that is stuck on Word and PDF, then I am super blunt. And I'm like, we won't be a match because that's not what we, how we operate in, right? So they were pretty, the, let's put it this way, the benefits of the solution outweigh the fact of doing things in the status quo, right? So they, they realized that essentially they're the main users of the platform with the sales reps creating the contracts. And in this situation, it was pretty, pretty smooth. I would definitely say that the biggest block was it was legal in this situation just because they did their they did a very smart thing and they did their due diligence and they were like oh this is your biggest competitor we're now chatting with them oh no you know and i was like smart but this is just gonna make it longer now for me so okay they start chatting with your competitor let's run that conversation sounds like a barrier yeah (laughs) yeah it doesn't sound fun right when someone comes to me and they're like well we're gonna start looking around too. I'm like, well, can we solve this problem faster? Can we get to the solution sooner? Can we provide time to value? Can we get there quicker? What did you do to overcome that? Because lots of reps have this. Everyone should be doing diligence. So if you're in a deal, you're probably facing a competitor. What did you do, Christian? Yeah. So I went in, it was my first deal. So I went super cyan mode and I was like, I can't lose them to our biggest competitor. Right. It was like, just, it was just painful. Right. The idea of it. So what I did was feature for feature were pretty much the same. There are some things that they're incredibly good at. And there are some things that we're incredibly good at. And at the end of the day, it comes down to preference. So I realized that the differentiator here was in the actual sales cycle, in the sale process, is how do we guide them? How do we make them, well, trust me. It's, not, it's no surprise that 
people don't trust sales reps, right? They think that we, all we want to do is close a deal so we can make money, right? And so pretty early on, which is something that was not uh, customary in our sales cycle, I was like, okay, you know what? Let me bring in my customer success manager. Now, usually they don't, they are not introduced in this part of the sales process, but this is someone that has no interest in actually having you onboarded, sorry, as a client. Then once you become a client, they will then become your, essentially, they'll make sure that you're onboarded correctly. And you can ask any technical questions that you might have. So we set them up with a trial for five days. They tested out the integration, the my CS manager, he's fantastic. I genuinely tell him like, you want this deal. Uh, well, we want this deal, but yes, yeah, so I was like, yeah, fa- yeah, I was really like, like great teamwork there. And we were just there. They work, they're an Israeli company. They work on Sundays. So I was working on Sundays, right? They were sending me an email. I was replying right away because I noticed that the speed at which I communicated with them then reflected, right? They were way more inclined to get back to me earlier. And so there was always this very mutually respectful cycle where they never left me hanging. I was never just following up. And then, yeah. So once we then actually the trial, I call up the VP and I'm like, okay, so, I mean, are there any more questions? Is there anything else, any more clarifications? And she was like, yeah, well, I, I mean, let's say I'm leaning. So we're split. I was like, oh, okay. I can ask a little personal question. You know, who are you going towards? And thank goodness she was going towards us. I was like, okay, so how come? I was like, yeah, well, the legal counsel liked more the trial with the competitor. She thought that it wasn't particularly intuitive, the actual platform. I was like, oh, okay. So then I suggested that we extended the trial and essentially that then we would have a retraining of the general of like the general counsel to how to use the solution because she clearly did not see the value. Right. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, you know what? This is actually a great idea. Why don't you reach out, schedule some time next day? I'm setting up the trial and I think I had it set it up. We had the, like the trial kickoff call again with my CSM and then an email comes in. Hey, Christian, we're ready to move forward with contract book. Could you share the order confirmation? And I was on a call. And my CSM comes running through the office, <laughs> like kicks me almost, start punching me. Like, did we just close? I'm like, did you just get committed? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I realized that a verbal commit is not a deal closed. That was that's a different story. And he just and we just yeah, just jumping around the office, and it was a pretty great, uh, pretty great feeling. Yeah, that is awesome, and a really cool way to just like win a deal. Like, I love it when I'm doing something else. When I'm not focusing on it and then it comes in and it's like all the stress, all the late nights, all the Sunday stuff really pays off. I want to make one point from what you've been talking about. It is when you have really close feature parity, more often than not, it's going to be the better sales process, the better salesperson, the stronger relationship, right? I know people may like crap on relationships, right? That doesn't win a deal. But when close feature parity happens, you as the salesperson can outsell and win deals. Keep that in mind. Yes. Excellent point. And I think maybe that transitions us to this last portion here, but Christian, fascinated to hear maybe what are like 
three tips that you would give any AE to help close their deals today? And maybe it is <laughs> outsell your competition, but what are some three other tips as well? Yeah, definitely. You see this everywhere, but multi-threading is huge. Being able to fix multiple problems and keeping the conversation alive if it doesn't finish, if it ends or if it just gets blocked at one point, it's really big. Then what else? Yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but just setting the tempo with your replies and with how available you are. The, I genuinely feel like your the prospect will receive this, right? And being like, oh, I'm a priority, right? I'm not just another number to their quota. Another one that I'm pretty fond of is being brutally honest. So um, again, sales reps have a bad reputation for deceiving you into buying. So really upfront, already at the discovery, I'm like, we can do this. We're great at this. We're absolutely trash at this. And the what this creates is a imperfect being that is way more lovable, way more approachable right? Then a perfect solution. We could do this. And then they buy and they realize, okay, he lied on 30% of it, right? So that then goes to make even better, happier customers. So yeah, just be honest with, with your prospects. And I think they'll thank you for it. This has been a great episode. So many good points were made here, Christian. One of which, the one I'm thinking about, I love that you were like, I went super sane mode, you know, like do pulling out all the stops, going above and beyond to make sure that you as a salesperson did everything you can to win this deal. And more often than not, I think a lot of us reps can relate to that and do something like that to win more. So Christian, thanks for joining the podcast. It's been great having you. Yeah, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I can only imagine just trying to scream hard enough and your hair turns blonde and overcoming any objection. I think that's incredible. But just like that, another episode of How I Deal is in the books. Thanks to Christian for joining us. Thanks to everybody for tuning in and uh, taking some time out of your day to hopefully level up your sales game and have a couple laughs along the way. We will see you next time.